Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is another Science But Simple episode. The first episode of our mini-series Science But Simple was released, I think it's the sixth episode of the catalogue, so go back and listen to that if you're interested, where we get into a bit more details of why we started it and that sort of thing. And the first episode is about how light bulbs work and a general idea of energy. So the whole idea of this kind of mini-series is just to explain to people sort of things people may notice in life, whether it's household or everyday objects, or things like in this episode where it's the tides and gravity and the moon and the sun and sort of how the sun works, like why it's just this big ball of gas essentially and creating all this heat, like what's actually going on there. And it's incredibly interesting. This whole series is meant to be just explaining things in an easy-to-digest way for anyone who's interested in science to any degree that they can understand this sort of thing. The episodes will likely be released every six weeks or so, so it's going to be, you know, my usual podcasts normally, and then, yeah, every now and then, just one of these science but simple will pop up. And if you fancy this sort of thing, check it out. It's not like a funny podcast necessarily. It's definitely more of the informative ones, and out of all the podcasts that I do, it's the least uh, flow sort of orientated you know it's not as much like i just have a chat with someone and it kind of veers off into random tangents about a crazy amount of things it's not quite as natural and organic as that it's more centered it's more um thought out you know we kind of just talk about it before we start recording figure out what we're gonna say so yeah it's just less than an hour long uh trying to talk about things that people may kind of vaguely know how they work but not fully so that's kind of the point of science but simple I'm going to pretty much stop rambling now, but yeah, uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And just to say next week's episode, we'll be back to the more usual format. This time, it's going to be with my buddy Johnny. Um, it's a two-parter. It's quite a long podcast. I think it's two hours and 20 minutes in total. And we go off on so many random tangents and stuff. It's crazy. I need to re-listen to it to try and figure out what I can even name the podcast, because we talk about so much stuff. If you enjoyed the podcast I had with Bradley last week, which I highly recommend, both parts of that I found were hilarious. And I've had quite a lot of positive feedback from people from that as well. So if you want a podcast that's a bit more funny, a bit more chill, you know, a bit more podcast like in a sense then listen to the episode before this one or the two episodes technically because i released it in two parts before this one with bradley uh, and then next week's tune in for the one with johnny anyway i am actually done rambling now and um, before we get started there'll be a quick word from a fellow podcaster and then we'll get right into it and i'll talk to you guys at the end hi this is tony the host of the flicks x-ray podcast each week i am joined by guests Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And we're back. Uh, another episode of Science Made Simple. We're on the second episode now. Uh, Josh. Josh is here with me once again. This is a thing now. <laughs> doing it. We said we did it once, and now we can keep on doing it. We've got a few more ideas written down. 
Um, yeah, we've got. Uh, well, I'll tell you at the end. Um, I'll probably maybe in the intro or something. I'll, I'll talk about all the different ones we're going to do. We just crack straight on into it, Josh. Um, so we talked about this like last time. Um, we spoke about how light bulbs worked and just a pretty vague idea about energy. Yes. Uh, and enthalpy as well. I remember mm-hmm. that time. Um, and so now we were, talk- we were talking amongst ourselves uh, before this and thinking like what to do next. And um, I think we kind of we decided on sort of gravity, the moon, how tides work, that sort of those sort of things that everyone kind of thinks about. You know, everyone you see the moon all the time. Everyone knows about water and the tides and when the tide comes in. But I don't think a huge amount of people fully understand how it works. So yeah. So if we're going to start with. Um things about the tides, the kind of stuff that people actually see in their day-to-day lives. I want to like branch off of that to the the moon and the interactions and gravity and how that all works and probably then tie into some more general solar system stuff, the sun, some light stuff, or just see where it goes. Probably yeah, it shouldn't yeah. take too long for this one, maybe like 45 minutes maybe or so to go yeah. through everything trailing. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the... That that would be the general aim, you know. We'll just try that, and um, we'll just see see how that goes. Um, yeah, good just... lesson plans when I'm teaching. Well, yeah, I mean that that's the thing. It's um, yeah, I was just kind of trying to think what we're going to cover. Um, it will just be you, obviously, sp- blown out of loads and loads of information, and um, me trying to understand it in my small brain. And um, yeah, then we'll I'll just reciprocate it, I suggest, you know, maybe it's a easier just format or just an, an analogy last time I think I did an alright analogy a couple of people said the whole uh, the current analogy of the people and the friction it was like that's a nice one now I've got to have to try and do at least one more good analogy and I'm yeah. going to f- fail terribly as people who know me my analogies make no sense to anyone apart from me quota of one good analogy per podcast yeah that's it that's what we've got to do <laughs> that's what we've got to strive for here you know we, we don't necessarily want everyone to be perfect but we just just give it a go just one just, just one just one that can be enough that'll be enough 40 minutes see if we can do it right right so Josh you want to start us off then go on so as most people will probably know unless obviously you've not really been at around like a, a shore of any kind for an extended period of time a lot of mainland folk um, farmers and stuff yeah especially we're with the advantage in the UK of basically being a relatively small island so we're surrounded by water on every side we live on the south um, as well we live in Southampton yes it's the most, right on the coast yeah right which is a bottom. special case which I'll talk about oh Christ already uh, <laughs> coming in with them tangents um we tides is basically just where the water levels rise and fall and it's essentially controlled by the interaction between the water on the planet yeah. and the moon and a little bit of the sun as well, because obviously gravity is all a, a relative thing. Um, at any given point, gravity is a, a two-way system where there's pull from both sides. Um, and then basically what happens due to the position of the, the moon is that there is a, a bulge in the oceans on either side of the planet. It's slightly offset from where the moon is. It's not like it's completely in line with the moon. It's not what's called tidally locked. Right. It's just, it's kind of like a, a, a drag, almost. Like the moon's dragging the oceans around. Well, so is there like a like a spherical almost indent, or is it a lot more subtle than that? Like, Well, the idea that the, uh, the Earth, as you probably know, isn't actually spherical. It's like slightly like squat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like a perfect that, sphere, yeah. but the eight oceans then like bulge out a bit more on either side, and that just like flows around as you go, yeah, and that yeah. provides your your uh, um, tides where that bulge is. 
There are also two things called spring and neap tides. N-E-A-P, neap. I've heard the term um, spring tides. And that's essentially when the moon and the sun are kind of like lining up almost in certain ways, um, you have the tides become stronger. Right. And so you get more pronounced, like higher tides. Is that almost like, it, in the, uh, thinking about it, like looking at it, would that be where like the moon's on one side, then the, the earth in the middle and the sun on the other side? You can almost draw like a line through them. Would that be what? Uh, I... Would you say line them up? Is that what you mean? I'm not entirely sure on which way. It might be where, like, I think it is just where they line up in a certain way. Hmm. Um, it's a seasonal thing. So yeah. it happens, like, it's almost like a spring, summer, autumn, winter thing. It's like four, I think it's four times a year, sort of. Yeah, because like, obviously it goes the, between. The earth them. goes around the sun and obviously. Actually, no, well. I think, it, I can't remember. I have to double check this at some point. Um, I can't remember whether it's a monthly thing, maybe. Like, it Ooh. alternates around the months or whether it's a bit more extended. You're talking about spring tides. Uh, yeah, spring, spring and neap tides. We'll, check, we'll double check that. Yeah, but right. basically, the the sun and the moon's gravity basically conglomerate into one larger pole, which means that you have a bigger difference between your high and low tide marks because there's more pull on that bulge. You've got it. I, f- I found it. Um, it says on the internet, uh, a tide just after a new or full moon uh, when there's the greatest difference between high and low water. So it's when is the moon cycle? So yeah, so when it's a new moon, you have um, basically no reflection because the moon's basically in line with the sun. Yeah. Um, and then the full moon is also in line with the sun, but the other way around. So it's either or when their gravity like combines into yeah. a bigger stretch. So yeah, and it's monthly. So that's fine. Yeah. Oh, well, this is this is it occurs twice monthly. each month. So, yeah. yeah. So there we go. It each all stays monthly. Yeah. yeah. So fortnightly, there we go. Yeah. Um, so that's how that works. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's that bulge. Um, the water's playing again. It's 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 almost like a drag around the planet, as yeah. you said. Um, so that then comes to the the special case of Southampton. Well, I was just gonna say before you go into that. So is this basically you could go, you can go to an area uh, or two areas of the ocean at one time and. If you can go to the centre of where this sort of drag is, would there be no waves there? Is it like uh, the waves kind of are so small they come out from this sort of centre point? It's nothing to do with waves. Right. Waves is stuff that's generated by the the bodies of water um, moving and drag from things like wind and stuff that perpetuate through the ocean. Like, imagine waves are your normal, like, waves and ripples from wind and stuff. Yeah. Tide is like one massive wave that's carrying the entire ocean around the planet as you go. Oh, wow. Okay, so... But it's not yeah. actually the water moving around the planet because all the currents and things do that. Yeah. It's just like an expansion that follows around. Right. So it's it's the tides going around the planet mm. is not the water actually moving around the planet. Right. It's more just a, a pull by the gravity making the, the, the water pool in certain places. Right. Because the currents uh, and the things moving from like surface to deep water and things, that has much more of an effect on where any particular body of water is going at any time. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So when even though there is this big pull on it, because certain waters are so deep, it's not like it affects how much you can actually move, is that what you mean? 
Yeah, like the 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 way that water moves around the planet is dictated more by currents. Yeah. The the tides is just a bulge in the water levels mm. created by gravity, like making meaning that the water kind of like pulls more in certain places. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like a huge gigantic and notable thing. It's it's almost it's almost like someone was like pushing on the top of the water, and it's like it just in a certain area, it there's more. It's expanding in that way. It's it's almost just kind of like yeah, where not where the hand is. It's where I had to push it down and everyone else goes up a bit. I have an idea. Yeah. For your one analogy per thing. Podcast thing. Oh, oh Lord. Uh, technical terms. Um, so imagine you're in a sports stadium and people are doing a Mexican wave. Mm-hmm. Each individual, as you move along, is essentially expanding to continue that wave. Yeah. But no individual is actually like moving from place to place as that wave perpetuates. That's a really good way of describing it. So that's like the tides moving across the planet. It's just that bulge carrying across. I see. So it's not the whole body, obviously. It's, it's the a, body isn't moving with the tide. Yeah, the it's body is the, the people. Is going, the body yeah. is the people, but the, the tides are also hands. It's like yeah. the, the movement of that is... Yeah, that's a really, really good analogy. That's all, I like that one. We're done. We're done it. We're cool. there. Now let's just go, re- <laughs> let's go to ridiculous technical terms that no one can possibly understand. Someone has to right. Google every single word. Let's do that. Please don't okay. do that. Christ. Uh, so the double tides in Southampton, that's the special thing. Double tide or double high water, as it's called, um, is basically a special conditions that are present in the English Channel, uh, slash the Solent. Um, it's not so much some people... Uh, it's a misconception that it's to do with uh, the entrances to the channel, like causing a squeeze on the water in certain ways. Right. It's more of a product of friction and the irregular... What's uh, for one technical term, which I will explain, bathymetry, which is like the essentially topography, but of the ocean floor. That's what bathymetry is. What's topography? Uh, like your hills and mountains and stuff. Oh, so it's like underwater hills and mountains, like sort of yeah, a yeah. bit obviously down. Like, so yeah, yeah, the shaping like, of that, and obviously mm-hmm. water does not just. Water, when people think about how deep water is, like it does actually hit the bottom. Like there is a yeah, point where water stops bottom. going down. Yeah, and obviously if that point is a mile far up, uh, a mile further higher up than another part next to it then the yeah. water in theory kind of in that area would be up slightly more but because of obviously how water works it doesn't um, just shoot up like a like a rock yeah, in the yeah there, there's no real like hard differences like that in the english channel it yeah. is technically all shallow water like a few hundred meters at most yeah yeah um deep deep when you get deep water that's like over one kilometer what's that one kilometer down the that's when you trench? Deep water. uh the mariana trench i, just, I was almost said that's like going for like 10k plus yeah. Meters. So that's the one that James Cameron really went down, isn't it? In the little, the little. I part. have not a clue. Really? I know it's, it's basically the deepest point you can go on. Well, the he, I think he's one of the only people. Um, uh, uh, James Cameron and Mariana, Mariana Trench found it. There we go. I was certainly trying to say it while googling it. Yeah, the deepest, um, deepest ocean dive. He's he's gone down further than anyone has in the. Uh, yeah, they they went down it for. Um, he went down, I believe, um, Blue Planet Two that's recently come out as of this recording as well. He, James Cameron went down eleven kilom- nearly eleven kilometers, which is yeah. seven miles down to the deepest place of the ocean. Yep. F- fuck that, man. I know you have a problem with deep water and water bodies in general. Just, you can't see the bottom. But. I'm just so <laughs> so not cool with. I don't know submarines. I don't like I don't like sharks. I love marine life. I want to go scuba diving and stuff, but it's just like deep sea is so terrifying because if something bad happens, you are so screwed. Yeah, well, we saw at the end of the episode of Blue Planet Two what happened with the submarine and stuff, and you were like, nope, nope, no, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, oh, I said the other night, didn't we? I kept thinking we need to watch some more. Where the iceberg was like stuff was scraping off the iceberg and all the rocks were falling in like 
oh. not on the thing, but they were like had a massive rock just fall next to them in their submarine. It's like yeah, and they're oh like, my. and they're like, if that hit the glass, would easily smashed it. It's like what? Yes. No! <laughs> oh my god! Raining ice blocks in the anyway. That's good. You guys go watch Blue Planet too. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so continuing, just basically the resultant combination of the tides moving through the channel yep. with the friction and the irregular bathymetry means that it creates rather than two uh what's called oscillations or the swells per day for the tide it generates it into four so you end up with you get your high water yeah it dips a bit yeah then goes high again right and then goes fully down to the low tide okay is that be- so you, that's you, because you double of- dip into your high tide basically and you're saying that's because of the essentially underwater hills yeah okay and that's because yeah that's stuff and I assume there are other places are there other places around that have uh, double tides uh, it's a general thing that goes across the English Channel I'm okay. not sure whether it exists much elsewhere around the world is it because of the part because of where um, the channel goes uh, between France and Spain and there's that's that narrow... the misconception that that like double entrance thing causes it I wonder if that is the thing that cuts at the the shape of the the bathymetry is that what you called it uh, yeah, but that uh, that's the bathymetry thing is a long-standing like, like volcanic things and pushing past and stuff. So, oh, I see. That's more, uh, is that more tectonic that, plates. Or is that some That is that. Well, tectonic plates and the gaps between them is where the the ocean floor comes from and is generated yeah. and destroyed. So yeah, but it's the, the bathymetry is a long-standing thing. It creates it that effect, and it may exist in other places. Yeah, this is like the most famous example. Since so we have the oceanography center here and everything, it's yeah, it's well documented. Southampton and studied England, and everything. Very yeah. much about boats and the ocean aren't we because we're obviously an isolated we're, we're an isolated island so, so yeah, we, we get a special kind of tide here where we live which is which is fun it doesn't produce any really unusual kind of like side effects in terms of nature and stuff it's just like when you want to go out sailing or whatever you want to get your boat you, out you like, it's like, like yeah. instead of if there's low tide it doesn't mean it's such a long time until high tide again it's yeah a smaller window but then again it means that it, more occasionally it'll be low tide Obviously, you do get get currents mm. involved with with water going in and out with the tide, mm. um, and that will change with the double tide because the speed of the currents will change and alternate. But um, so that probably has some kind of effect, but yeah. it's not anything that's like hugely massively impactful. That it's makes a really special case out of Southampton. It's just there's a double tide. It's a bit weird. There we go. Yeah, weirdness, weirdness. Um, so we'll go. Let's focus a bit more on the on gravity. I was going to say. Okay. Um, if we, so we think about obviously, so the moon and the sun, um, basically end up uh, creating the, what the, yes, the dents the, almost. The, yeah. In the on the top of the water, um, and then it causes you know, water moving not dissimilar to the way a Mexican wave sort of moves things across mm-hmm. that sort of idea. So, what is it about Earth? Like how does it, how does gravity work? Because obviously Earth is basically it's pulling stuff towards it. Yes. But obviously it's not in a, such a sense that the moon just smashes into the Earth and then stays on Earth and everything nearby mm-hmm. Earth starts falling into it. That would be catastrophic. Okay. So what's the sort of how does it work? Why is it a a big thing? Because obviously if you throw me in space, I won't have a gravitational pull. But you have a certain size thing. What are the circumstances of okay. how the hill will have their own gravitational pulls? You stuff? have just probably stated one of the biggest misconceptions about gravity. Here we go. See, this is it. This is why I'm here. <laughs> gravity... I'm the Alan Davies of this QI. <laughs> gravity gravity is the pull, the resultant pull force between two different centers of mass. Okay. Which is probably a few big words. 
or not so big words, but it doesn't mean much unless you explain it. So at any given point, any mass has gravity. So even in, you throw you into space, or not even into space, just here, sat on the sofa, yeah. talking to him across the, across the table, across the mics, yeah. we both have gravity, and the both of our gravity is essentially attracting us to each other in a completely <laughs> non-sexual way. Oh, <laughs> you ruin it, being plutonic. Um, and basically, that force between us is practically nothing. Yeah. Which probably me. sounds really, it's really more, like... It's more to me. I'm choking up, actually. I'm literally choking up. It meant more to me, Josh. I don't want to get all emotional on this. You're in the second episode already, we're getting into the romance. Because our resultant masses is very, very, <coughs> very small. Mm. Compared to, say, the Earth, the mass of Earth is, compared to a person or an animal or a tree or a rock, incredibly large. Yeah. Um, and... Say you have two bodies of mass that are equal in mass and a certain distance apart. The centre of the gravity, the gravitational force between them is directly in the middle. If one has much more mass than the other, that centre of gravity is pulled much more to that object. So one is pulled towards the other. I see. Okay. Uh, Which is why when you jump and then you get pulled back down to the ground. Yeah. Because the um, Earth is the biggest yes. gravitational force. At a speed, because the accelerator... Well, <coughs> not accounting for wind resistance, because wind resistance and air resistance is an absolute bitch in physics. Uh, you, The Earth's gravitational force, which is measured... Gravitation, gravity will basically be measured almost uh, as... Uh, not speed, as acceleration. So have you ever heard that gra- the Earth's gravity mm. it will accelerate something towards the ground at 9.8 metres per second squared? Okay. So if you, in a vacuum, you drop something, it will move 9.8 metres faster per second for every second it falls. Okay, right. So if you drop something, it will keep moving towards the ground... Faster and faster and faster. So obviously on the and its speed will increase at that rate, assuming that no resistance is involved. So then there's one, that's nine point eight, then that's two, and that's nineteen point eight. Nineteen point six. So there yeah, that that sort yeah. of like the speed and increases each, and that's that's much per second. second. Right, okay. Yeah. And is that like a with with Earth's uh with Earth, is that like if you drop certain things off a skyscraper, it doesn't infinitely get faster and is it like penny for example technically it would get infinitely faster but incrementally but due to wind resistance and all sorts of things like you end up with what's called a terminal velocity ah yeah i've heard that time before so that's the maximum speed that something will fall towards the ground yeah because of the different forces that's the misconception is you drop a penny off the empire state building it'll kill someone it's like no it'll probably hurt them probably embed it in somebody's forehead maybe yeah you could assuming it falls at exactly that angle and someone looks up and goes yeah. They did that on Mythbusters once. They just like flung a penny and he was like, it just got wet. He was like, I don't know where it's gone. And so she was sticking out his head. <laughs> wow. Dug into his skin on his forehead. And he's like, what? He was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's not lethal. It's just a bit of a pain. Yeah. <coughs> I'm getting the coffee. Um, so that's uh, 9.8 meters per second squared is what's known as Earth's gravitational constant. Yeah. Uh, and the moon, so let's look at the moon. Yeah. The moon and the Earth are pulling each other towards each other at a constant rate. Yeah. Uh, then, obviously, the the moon is uh, orbiting, that's the word, I haven't said that word in ages, orbiting the Earth at a speed as well. Yeah. Uh, and there is 
the information that's generally somewhere out there. I don't know how many people know this, but the moon is very, very slowly, by like a couple of centimetres per year, moving further and further away from the Earth. Mm. Because it is the the gravity, the speed that the moon is going mm. around the Earth uh, is more more so than the amount that is pulling it towards the Earth. So it's kind of moving away slowly. Mm. Yeah. It's not going to do that forever. There will come a point because the Earth's spin is also ever, 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 ever so slightly slowing. And it's to do with the, the gravity and the tides and that bulge pulling the moon back and everything. Eventually, the tides will line up with the moon. The moon will tidally lock with the Earth and everything will line up. And then everything will basically remain in, in an equilibrium that doesn't change. How long do you think till that's going to happen? We'll never see it. The sun will supernova and engulf us before that point. Oh man. <laughs> I want to have that day where it's like, the moon can't get any further away. At that point, also, you may never see the moon again because it's geographically locked at a certain point on the Earth. So you, it might be on the opposite side of the planet and never move from that geographical position. Wait, you mean it, like, if it was like over Australia and it locked there, then in theory, you'd only be able to see it when you're in that in that region? Yes. What? Really? That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. So one day it would just go click, like, click, and they just stay. Uh, it wouldn't be like a like a, ooh, it's going and stops. <laughs> it would be it's a very very gradual process. I thought it would be very slow, but I just like to yeah. envision someone go, whoa, where's the moon going? What? Oh, it's gone <laughs> down Australia because <laughs> that was over, kids. Yeah, pretty much. It's like when you have uh, what's called um, a, a geostationary orbit of a satellite, where the satellite is in an orbit that means that it maintains a position above a certain geographical point on Does the planet. Does that make mobile phones work? <laughs> satellites of that kind will work that will work in that way because they need to be over the same area of the planet yes yeah okay cool um right. but that's essentially because moons we call ours the moon but you have like uh I think uh, Sat- Mars has Phobos you've got Titan Europa all on the big planets and stuff uh they're all moons what we call moons is a general term the the astronomical term for them are, is satellites okay so when you talk about Earth satellite or natural satellite, it is the moon. So it's the a satellite is a general term. It's actually just something that's orbiting something. Is that right? I believe so. So in theory, is Earth the satellite to the sun? I think it has to be around a planet. Oh, okay. So it has to be definition. It has to be something yeah. smaller than a planet. Right? Okay. That yeah, makes and sense. then a yeah. planet is a body that is orbiting a star. Yep. So um, like you have the asteroid belt, but that's a, a different thing because it's loads of small pieces in in a, a chain. Yeah. Um, but so with the, the the sun thing, so for, so explain to everyone uh, so uh, they understand. So the whole, the whole thing is, the Earth's a certain size, and because of that, it has a certain is it magnetic field, not magnetic field, uh, gravitational gravitational pull. field. Man, I'm terrible gravitational pull. Yeah. Um, and obviously that the moon also has one, and that's what keeps them in orbit. But obviously the sun's one is colossal, much, much much bigger. It's like it's like way way bigger. It goes past uh, past the Earth, past the moon, all the way out to technically your gravitational pull extends infinitely throughout the universe. It's just become so micro that it's yes. just incomprehensible. So the best thing you see sometimes from uh, people trying to visually uh, present gravity, if you've got a big sheet of circular like elastic or something, and you drop like a heavy marble or something in the middle, and that sheet essentially like bends in on itself, like almost like a like a, a cocoon it becomes towards that center. Right. That bend is the, is the effect of gravity, and then if you pop, like say um. The little things you pop the coins in that kids used to, and they goes like round and round. And I round love and that round, shit. And eventually gets to the bottom. All the time, yeah. That's essentially like that going round and round and round and round. Imagine that, but it never actually fully gets to the middle. 
right. is what something in orbit does yeah. from gravity. And that orbit, that circular motion, is a special kind of force. Uh, because it's not technically a single force, it's the resultant force of two forces acting in unison. You have gravity pulling one thing towards another, or technically both towards each other, to be technical, but obviously one, if it's bigger, will move towards the other rather than the other way around. Yep. Um, and you have the, the horizontal force, because forces essentially act in straight lines. Right, what? Forces, you basically don't, there's no like curve force. There's just the, uh, any curve or change in direction is the result of a different acceleration or different force being applied. Wait, so when you say that, how, how does that explain like uh, the gravitational pull of the Earth being like around it? Like if, if, if it has to be... Uh, okay, so to dip into a bit of relativity, relativity here. Oh, Christ. Um, not anything major. So that sheet, mm. have you ever heard of the term space-time? In films and stuff, I've okay. seen Interstellar. Imagine that sheet is space-time, yep. more specifically towards space than time, right. but space-time. Okay. Gravity is that bend in space-time. Okay. So gravity is a pull between two masses, yes, as a force, but it, it's not like a... It's a force of pulling. Like, if you pull something towards you, that's moving towards you in one direction. Right. So gravity will affect all directions but the gravitational force interacting between two objects is singular in direction. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And forces act in straight lines. Okay. So to combine those two together, you have one force pulling an object towards another mm. and one moving perpendicular to that. Okay, so there's... So that's what makes them orbit because if you had yeah. if you had just one it would fling it across away from it and if you had just the other it would fling it right into it yes so you've got one force that is going away to, if you visual if people visualize it there's like a ball in front of you and you put your arms out like one to the side like full out straight and then one dead in front of you is that mm-hmm. sort of the right idea yeah and obviously if they're if it's going towards almost both it will go yeah it will it will go past almost mm-hmm it won't go... If you only had one arm out, it would just come straight to your chest. Or if you had the other arm out, it would just go straight past. Yeah. Let's go, for example, uh, if you have a, a ball on a rope, or, or, or let's go swing ball. Everyone knows swing ball. I used to love that stuff, yeah. Swing ball. Gravity is the string holding the ball to the pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The movement of the ball is you're hitting the ball, and you're hitting it in a straight line. Yeah. But that string is... That gravitational pull of the string yeah. is holding it to the pole. Yeah. So... That force of acceleration of motion that you're applying to that ball to go in one direction is being constant, but it also gets redirected. Well, that makes so a lot that of sense. ball is always moving perpendicularly. Mm. Perpendicularly, that's a, that's a bit of a, a tongue word. Um, a bit of a, a perpendicularly is a tongue word for dicularly. <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to really stop. Um, that's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. Um, uh, you essentially that force of motion in the perpendicular hmm. is always perpendicular to the gravity, but because of gravity acting on it, that chick, that is always changing direction, hmm. and gravity is always towards the center. The center. Yeah, when you think of the swing ball thing, that just makes that makes it make so much sense. If you just yeah. think of the string, is literally the gravity. Like you yeah. hit it, you can hit, you can hold it up and smack the ball. And your your back can be going in, or racket can be going in one straight line, 
and it will hit it in a straight line, but the the pull of the string will make it curve. Yes. And go around it. And yeah. that is that makes so much sense. And that's that how analogy. orbits work. It's one force acting uh, a force of motion in one direction. Yep. Acting with gravity per input in the perpendicular, mm. and that results in centripetal force, which is essentially the the resultant curved force that moves uh, that moves an object around the center of mass. Yeah. So those two forces put together is the thing that makes it essentially curve. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That that makes the yeah. opposite, which is the uh, like a, a pseudo force or centrifugal force, because technically you've got one force that's basically making an object move. Towards the object, yeah. Centrifugal force by Newton's law, you should have a force acting in the other direction, in equal and opposite, right. to maintain something, maintain something in stasis. Because it's not technically a force, the the opposite of the, the force that's moving, that's pulling the object in the other direction to stop it collapsing in on the gravity, um, doesn't actually exist. But it's known as centrifugal force, but that doesn't isn't actually technically a thing. So it's a force that people thought would be there because it's like, oh, this works in one way, so you must have an equal and opposite force going the other way. Right. But it's not because that force doesn't actually exist in the first place. So there's nothing acting in opposite to it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the Newton's law thing is obviously you have, uh, you have. It's a situation where Newton's law of the forces with equals and opposites doesn't apply because the original force that you is in quote unquote saying in that in that law is not a true force in the first place. But yeah, the resultant force of two different ones acting with each other. Yeah, and that's with the Newton's law thing. That's when we were talking about. I, I can't remember if we mentioned that specifically in the in the last episode, but um, I think we talked about thermodynamics, the last one. Yeah, but I think about it's... energy being created and destroyed and only transferred from one form to another. Yeah, this is the one about uh, the laws of motion, mm. which is that each action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. But in this case, it doesn't apply because there's no action in the first place. Because it's the resultant force of other actions. Combined. Yeah. Okay. And that also then applies for the the Earth orbiting around the Sun, or the our solar system going around the centre of our galaxy, mm. or stuff going around black holes, and all the gravity stuff, and things moving around them is all from the horizontal force and the gravity resulting in the curve. Being hit in a, in a direction, but a bit of string, which is gravity being attached to a central thing, creating mm-hmm. a curve. That's when you want to solid, mate, like that. Um, we got two for this one. That's two it. of a podcast. That means next one we're gonna have we're to get three. We're gonna have to get three End for podcast. the next one, <laughs> or maybe we will just bank them. We'll just run out we'll of them one day. We'll, that's yeah. it. We we'll have to note them down. Make sure we've got enough. Um, okay, so we've spoken about gravity. We've spoken about the moon. We've spoken about how um, how tides work. Um, and we're on about the half an hour mark now. Um, so do we want to get into just a little bit about light and heat from the sun, and then the moon okay. eclipsing it? Do you think you can cover that in about ten minutes? Uh, what, where where do you want to start with that? Well, I'd say uh, we discussed. Um, oh, actually, is a good one. We didn't talk about radiators before, did we? I think we did because about the convection of the heat heating up one area, oh, convection the... moving it around the room. I believe we talked about that. We spoke about it another time. That's the thing. And I don't know. I if don't it's know. Okay. Oh, we don't know about that podcast. Terrible. But yeah, um, the... convection does not happen in space. Radiators. The way radiators work does not work in space okay right it so requires matter to uh, fluid matter to be able to move to transfer that energy around okay the energy that we get from the sun mm-hmm. is purely through radiation which is essentially through light yeah and it's through mainly heat is light we basically can't see which is infrared mm-hmm. 
because um, it's not part of our visible, visible spectrum. There are things that can see infrared, much like there are things that can see ultraviolet. Mm. But we have we devices cannot. that can obviously. We have like things that basically read that infrared signal, yeah, and then change it into an image, a visual representation for us, yeah. So we can see where there is infrared and where there is not. Like so, we can see relatively high infrared and low infrared. Mm. See like difference in heat. So you have thermal cameras and stuff. That's yeah. all they're doing is changing infrared into the visual visible and different levels of infrared mm. into the visible spectrum yeah. so we can tell what has more infrared and what has less yes that makes sense yeah so um so with the the sun the sun is it's it's basically how, how is it how's it causing all this power it's loads of gas isn't it that's just on fire right so essentially gas technically on fire but nothing's actually combusting Stars. Is this like are... the light bulb thing where it's um where you've got in the glass? No. Oh Christ. It's so the sun I'm gonna go back to something I mentioned to you before about plasma. Oh Christ. And yeah. plasma is essentially the fourth state of matter. What are the other three states of matter? Solid liquid gas. There you go. So fourth state of matter is plasma. It's difficult to describe. The best analogy I can say is, yeah, the sun is a big ball of fire. Mm-hmm. That is, quite literally, it's a big ball of fire. The sun isn't gases on fire. Yeah. It's that the gases in the sun are fire. Yeah. And a, a star is basically, eventually, gravity pulls helium. Helium is basically yeah. the, the building block of elements. Right. It's the most basic unit of element you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, one proton, one electron, done. Uh, and hydrogen collecting one place mm. gravity pulls it together it gets compressed by that gravity and gravity compresses it and it builds more and more hydrogen and that compresses more and eventually it starts a process called nuclear fusion so hydrogen atoms start to combine into helium atoms mm-hmm. so you essentially get subatomic particles combining together to create something new right um, and that releases an absolute fuck ton of energy <laughs> yeah uh, which is basically and the plasma thing happens because things reach essentially through the temperature and that compression which creates temperature and heat um, because of the whole energy thing of things bumping into each other and transferring energy that's happening loads and loads and loads and loads as things get compressed mm-hmm. it's not that the hydrogen's like getting so compressed that it's solid it's still fluid um, but it's bumping in. There's so much friction between the particles that they're creating a lot of heat. So and all these that, things are basically being compressed into each other, and doing that is causing a chem- a, a reaction. Yes. And that reaction, and it's more than a chemical reaction. It's not. It is like atoms fusing together to become something entirely new. Yeah. And when that happens, the amount of energy that it releases, outputs, it releases is massive. And is that what the fire is basically on the sun? That's all the energy that's being released from the sun, yeah. Yeah, so the, so that's happening there, and... The plasma that is the sun, and when you have solar flares that release like all that, like the solar wind and stuff, that is essentially like offshoots of, of plasma being thrown through through the... How, how, they, how are they kept in this area? Is it their own uh, it's weight? It's the gravity that holds everything there, yes. in that pool, of, that pool of reaction. Yeah. And that's the thing that people are trying to experiment with, to try and create here... On, on Earth With to the, create um, fusion reactors because that is a potentially huge energy source. Yeah, you just... You and do. all you need is hydrogen, which is probably the most abundant element in the universe. Yeah. 
Nitrogen, in terms of in the air, we have more nitrogen than anything else. Mm -hmm. That's just a product of the eventual things. Like you said, well, let's put it this way. Nuclear fusion happens in stars. Hydrogen becomes helium. Helium becomes something else. and something else, something else. Eventually you get to heavy metals like iron. And eventually things become so difficult to fuse that the sun runs out of the fuel to keep that nuclear fusion going. It's like a self-sustaining system. Yeah. And when that happens, you, the sun starts to cool down, it expands, the gravity changes, uh, and you end up things going supernova and the star dies and it lets all of that matter go. Mm -hmm. uh, and that basically then pulls around something else and new stars take that in and gravity creates other planets and things. So you and I, from the product of many, many stars' lifetimes, are simply the combined reactions and things that all led up to stardust becoming a person yes yeah, you pretty, are stardust i always think it's more amazing because obviously i've said in a previous podcast um which probably released uh, now uh with my buddy dom um it was i was just we were just talking about religion and stuff and um i respect people's religious beliefs but i find personally that it's so much cooler being made from stardust and the billions of crazy things that go on in the universe to create the the ridiculousness that is life and it's like i find that to be way cooler and more interesting than a dude made me you know it's like that's just my personal opinion not to get down on anyone in religion i'm completely fine with it it's just i just think to me that just sounds so cool you know i, I mean? think god is a non-binary being <laughs> edgy yeah, i'm yeah. not gonna get into that i know that's i would know that's probably gonna trigger somebody oh yeah i don't, um, don't want to trigger people on the science show um, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I just think that's so amazing and cool. So just to clarify with the sun, so I'm envisioning it. So there's basically, there's all this hydrogen, uh, helium and yes. hydrogen. Mainly hydrogen. Yep. Sun is mostly hydrogen and helium, some form of proportion. Can't remember what exactly that proportion they is. they heat each other and become another thing. Yes. Releases and loads of energy. Then that can continues to combine and combine. And that keeps combining over and over again. And eventually yeah. it runs out of things it can combine into. Because obviously yes. it combines into this thing. And then these things combine into this thing. And yeah. eventually you get... It you stops said, being stable and you can't create new elements. Yeah, eventually I almost think of it as... A, this isn't obviously what happens. But almost like it becomes it, all these things. And then suddenly it just becomes two bricks. And then you hit the bricks together and it can't do anything. And you just yeah. left the two bricks. And then everything over time becomes that. And then once it's too much for the sun... Yes. Then when there's too many in a, in a sense almost mm. bricks in the middle and there's too many of them, then it's just like, nope, and it ex it's too much. Yeah. And so all the other energy that's still left, that's still still reacting and midway through it and isn't quite done yet, it all shoots out and that's what causes this sort of supernova. Yes. Cool. And then the general point at which a star begins to quote-unquote die mm. is when it starts to produce iron as a product of fusion. Because that's when you start getting into like heavy metals. The 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 sun the the star stops being able to sustain itself. Does that mean that in the center of a star there's a small ever growing size of iron in theory? Not well, I mean it, it's a huge molten ball of temperature. So it, yeah. it, it's you're not gonna have like a, a lump of iron. Right. Like even the core. Uh, well, not the core, but like the mantle of this planet that we're on is yeah. mostly molten. It's more. Almost like Ublek, where it's uh, really, really viscous, but it is molten. And right. that's iron. And that's nowhere close to the temperature of the sun. Right. Uh, so it would be a, a very, very much liquid iron. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think it would be gaseous. I don't think gaseous iron is probably even feasible at any temperature. <laughs> uh, well, it's feasible at some temperature, but it's probably going to combust before then. Long before then. I see. Well, that's... um. Yeah, that's... 
That's cool. And obviously, all that energy gets released and it goes um, through the yeah. So through simply space. through radiation, release of what is technically photons through light, so you get infrared up to ultraviolet and beyond, beyond like radio waves and gamma rays and stuff. That all eventually is dispersed evenly around the sun. Yeah. Obviously, it's going out in all directions. Yeah. And a certain amount of that reaches this planet in about eight minutes, and gives makes makes this how we are. I was just saying because the 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 sun uh, if is eight minutes behind us, isn't it? It's like yeah, like, what what we can see. What well, if you look up and look at the sun? I don't recommend that. Connect your eyes. But what you see of the sun, like, if the sun exploded, you we wouldn't know for eight minutes. Well, we would because we'd have we have camp we have like special. Yeah, that point. If, if we didn't have NASA, if it was just all these normal people, you just look up. If it's we, not if, even that. If the sun starts expanding, it's getting closer to us, and then the distance the light's traveling is less. So we we would see it coming, but it's probably just going to expand so quickly that it doesn't even matter anyway. <laughs> But um, if it just if it just disappeared, yeah. if the sun like, just disappeared, you, we wouldn't be able to see it for eight minutes. It would be, it would not if some somehow some evil scientist made yes. a sun disappear. It wouldn't you wouldn't if you just normal people looking around wouldn't see it disappear for eight minutes. Yeah, you know, if, you, if, you suddenly, if you suddenly put like a, a, a camera shutter over the front of the sun, like completely <laughs> covered the sun, <laughs> the light that had already left the sun would take eight minutes to get here, and then boop done. Yeah, then there will be a shot. Yeah. And even seeing. looking up at a starry night sky, you're looking into the stars of, of the past. That light has taken eons to reach us. Like, when you talk about a light year, I think another misconception is light year is not a measure of time, it's a measure of distance. Yeah, it takes one year um, to get somewhere by yes. going the speed of light. Yes. Yeah, that's just ridiculous to think about, isn't it? It's like, if you, yeah. we can't go the speed of light. I can't remember what the percentage is. I think it's like in the 80s or something. Where things can travel to like the ninety nine point nine percent of the speed of light. Obviously, things will start to like destruct at that point because of resistances and things. What's well, so that the point? humans would be able to sort of mass that sort of thing. Or... Well, the thing that would if you're already if you're slowly building up to that speed, mm. you're fine because it's uh, things like g forces and stuff is to do with acceleration. Yeah. And it's the change in speed over time that generates the g forces that potentially would kill someone. If you slowly increase speed as you go, and you're going at the same at the same speed as that object that's increasing in speed, yeah, then your like acceleration is very slow, so you don't feel the g forces, so you can get up to that speed. Well, getting up Obviously, to the speed of light would take a long time. A long time, yes. And then to maintain that takes so much energy; it's not even worth trying. I see. Well, um, we should uh, we won't now because we're, we're now at the forty-two minute mark, so we'll, we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think at some point we can go into um, if we keep doing this, which I hope we do for many yes. months, years, whatever. How this long is the thing now. We've done two. We can't ever give there up. There will be more. Yeah, till we're like can't give up eight, now. We're like eighty years old, <laughs> and like science has changed so much, and none of this makes any fucking sense. Everything I said in episode one is now a complete lie. Yes. <laughs> Our understanding of the universe is completely different since we met the squirrel people of Aspen Four. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Not, not in our age. Not and our, Ewoks are real. <laughs> oh god, that'd be pretty cute. I'd love to have a little Ewok around. And, and Jawas? That... No, they're not. Jawas are Tatooine's not a thing. Mos Eisley is no. Oh man, but Endor is definitely. Endor's Endor, definitely. yes. But to be honest, it wouldn't be so far fetched. Like if you had other plans for life to have, like you get little bears, you get like koalas. Like if you've yeah. got, if you've got some who somehow became. Uh, like they evolved in a certain way. Yeah, they actually became that way. But let's oh, not go down that route because we one gonna... ever so slight moment. Yes, yeah. okay. I have no doubt in my mind at all that there has been life on other planets except from Earth. Yeah, the only point. contention is that I doubt we'll ever be able to encounter something. 
because not only does it need to be within a feasible area of space for us to be able to contact, it also needs to have existed within the same time frame. And our existence, the existence of the human race, not even through like when we have been technologically advanced to basically be in the space age, quote unquote, like what fifty years or so, is a not even a blink in the amount of time that the universe has existed. Oh god, no! It's literally what we should do at some point in the future episode is maybe go into um, the Fermi paradox and stuff and talk about space travel and that sort of stuff a bit more. I think that'd be yeah. a really interesting one. So I've got my pen and paper. I'll write that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, so yeah, I'll pretend uh, like other I'm talking about. other intelligent life other than us existed, almost definitely. Will we encounter it ever? Fuck no. But we'll I doubt ever we'll find intelligent life other than ourselves. Maybe evidence of intelligent life other than ourselves, but to actually come face to face with it, I doubt we ever, ever, ever will. We can we can discuss this in a future podcast. That's a good subject we'll get on to, because I want to talk about that. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, but um, yeah. we'll talk about more in detail why the reasons we think that. Um, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Josh. It was a pleasure yeah, to pick your brain. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got, as we said in the, the next ones, we've got, um, I was going to say this on the outro, but I'll say it now. Um, we've got, uh, I think, metabolism, eating, life cycles, blood and oxygen, sort of how that sort of how it works. So, it? yeah, we can go into that one. There's, um, we're talking about doing potentially, don't hold us all to these, okay? If someone's listened to all these, write them down and think we're going to do every one of them definitely. These may, these no, are, we're doing them definitely on the morning now. <laughs> may change. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about like gadgets, TVs, radios, phones, touchscreens and stuff, and maybe get recent on that because he's an IT technician. He's probably much more better than I am. Much more better. Oh, grammar. That's good. You went so, you so well. <laughs> so well. That's definitely... He's probably a lot better at that sort of thing than I am. We can we can we'll look it up where you guys come from. Yes. Um, but yeah, then we'll do... Um, there's one which I've named Crazy Creatures of the Deep and Fave Animals. It sounds like I'm a little girl writing a journal. We'll talk about like all the sort of because there's some crazy ass animals out there like mantis, shrimp, and um, cuttlefish. They're just crazy and obviously anglerfish or bioluminescence. But that's just scratching yes. the surface of how cool things are yes. down there. Um, and then also time and how watches work. And also you can go into sort of black holes and what about misconceptions as well. That's yep. what we've got. That, that, that links into something that we mentioned today with gravity and black holes and stuff so that's probably a nice one to maybe see, lead on to we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go we'll have the what network we feel at the time. we'll have the network yeah so as always it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on Josh thank you um, and yeah we'll see you guys later and that's the end of another episode thanks as always for tuning in guys as I said at the start there is a first episode of Science But Simple which was episode 6 and that's all about light bulbs and energy and how that sort of works last week's episode was with Bradley it was just a much more humorous chilled conversation about all matter of things it's not really anything in particular we stick to I think we talk about racism for about 5-10 minutes and everything else is just random subjects that come and go but it's a great chat it's a lot of fun and next week's release is going to be part one of my chat with Johnny, which is a similar sort of vein to Bradley's, just chatting about random stuff. I think we, at some point, obviously I'm really, really into Star Wars, and Johnny's really into football, or if you're American, soccer. And we have a, not quite a debate, we are kind of just pulling each other's legs, but just kind of mocking each other for liking football and Star Wars and stuff. And it's it's just a right laugh next week. Uh, and then I think the week after that may end up, or the, the week after that will be the part two of with Johnny, and then the week after the, after that... Um, I'm not sure which one I'll release. Uh, it may be one with John, with John, uh, no one even called John, with Josh again, who's in this episode, and my buddy Reese, who's in the first episode of Genuine Chit Chat. The um, if you haven't 
heard it, you should check it out. It's all about whether or not it's ethically right to, in quotes, punch a Nazi and about political correctness and people using violence to further their own cause and whether or not that's right. So, you know, he's a great guest to always have on. He's a good friend of mine, as is Josh. So they're going to be in one of the future episodes where we discuss sort of transgender issues and whatnot. Um, and I've got a few more podcasts I'm going to be recording over the next few weeks and stuff. So I'm not really fully sure of the schedule, if I'm being honest with you. I'm just kind of rambling and raving and babbling on about nothing while I'm trying to figure out the schedule but there isn't really one so sorry about that guys be sure to follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook um, subscribe on the usual podcast apps and YouTube and if you feel like it deserves it give us a review on iTunes as it well, I really appreciate it and it goes a long way anyway thanks as always guys I appreciate each and every one of you and I'll talk to you next week